This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round. And get fired in with our exclusive discount code, head to the bar and quote ABZ Pod for a £3 pint of Fosters, a £4 pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or Adaki. That's any day of the week including match days and if you're with the little ones and are looking for a spot of pre or post match lunch remember under 18s are welcome in the bar with an adult so make a day of it at Siberia come on you Reds Hello and welcome along to episode 157 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott and we've got a couple of international players signed on short-term loans to help see us through this week. It's Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how are you? So checked out. We just call it. We just call this season. Time of death. 2003, February 18th, 2024. Hello. And joining him on a short-term deal is Graham Steele. Graham, how's things? Hey, scunnered with it all, to be honest with you. <laughs> Yay! Positive. Looking forward to this one. On this week's show, we're going to take a look back at the Desmond with Hibs on Saturday. We'll check in with the Quines and our Lonies and Lone Watch. And then after the break, it's time to look ahead to our third meeting of the campaign with Derek McInnes's high-flying Kilmarnock. Aberdeen to Bournemouth Colts to Saturday the 17th of February 2024 at Pataudry Stadium in the cinch. Two changes. Two decided it drew three all with Motherwell in midweek. Richard Jensen and Duke coming back into the starting lineup with Povara and Morris dropping out. Morris, perhaps unsurprisingly, out of the matchday squad altogether. Now, of course, we didn't come back um, last week to record a show reviewing the Motherwell game. Gav, um, do you want to just really quickly give us your thoughts about that midweek debacle that it was? Um, if the first 25, 30 minutes were a deliberate ploy at a contemptuous display to fuck off every single person in the home end of that stadium, then boys, I've off my cap. Outstanding work. Outstanding. Uh, embarrassing, woeful, inept. 3 0 down to Motherwell after 25 minutes. I don't need to say anything more than that. Theo Bear, a double. Double for the- Theo Bear's in double figures now because of Aberdeen. Uh, Awful. I, at least, you know, some people will say that Warnock, you know, he made the changes, but to me, he was just correcting what was an obvious fuck up from the very start. So a faint praise indeed to uh, give him any credit for, you know, hooking Polvar and uh, Shaden Morrison. Luckily, we got ourselves back in the game. Uh, a strange game because, you know, despite how bad we were in that first 25, 30 minutes, you leave the stadium thinking, how did we not win that game? Uh, but is what it is. You can't concede three goals at home so easily and expect anything more than than, than what we got. I mean, a lot of ways we're lucky that we got the draw in Motherwell. We're quite soft-centred. Um, yeah, really bad performance. And I mean, I was just, you know, cap off just saying that our number 20s effort on the right wing, wing-back area uh, is a definite candidate for me for worst individual Aberdeen points I can 
ever think of seeing live and in person. I've thought about it, given like a little bit of thought. Maybe Ricky Foster up at Cali Thistle when he was captain. That I thought was particularly disgraceful. And Jackie McNamara at Queen of the South in this cup semi final. There's going to be contenders. But I mean, literally nothing Shaden Moore did <laughs> went well. And yeah, I think that uh, hopefully is the fork being stuck in his Aberdeen career. Because uh, yeah, that was not good. And I think after that game was over, I think that's probably where Graham's been for the last two weeks or so, uh, just kind of done with this whole Neil Warnock banter, banter years era. And I'm where I am now, where I just want the season to be over and I can like do something else with my time. Graham, where where does the Shaden Morris performance rank in your all-time pantheon of, you know, horrendous Is Was it a Jamie McQuilkin? Had it reached that level? I'm not sure anyone's going to surpass Jamie, to be honest. <clears throat> was it... Uh, did it surpass Janino at Celtic? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Well, actually, I do know why that annoyed me so much. Um, but that's another tale for another time. Uh, look, I mean, Wednesday was obviously really, really odd. I mean, how often do you A, find yourself 3-0 down after 25 minutes and then B, actually come back and get something out of the game? It's very, very strange all around. And on the Morris stuff, like... It wasn't a great performance. I know we've not seen a huge amount of him, but personally, the bits I have seen, the cameo appearances, don't really see that there's a player that's really of the suitable quality. But I do see, you know, there's a lot of, you see a lot of commentary online and people going after him and stuff like that. And I don't really, I don't get that. I mean, giving him grief sort of during the game, Everyone will have a view on whether that's right or wrong, but that's kind of when he's doing his job. So maybe that's a bit more manageable or acceptable. But like all the stuff afterwards where people are hounding him, stuff's just totally unreasonable in my opinion. It wasn't a great performance. I don't think he's good enough. It's another zero in the recruitment column. <clears throat> but yeah, not in you know, the positive sense. Not, not, not zeros building up on the, the future sell-on is what you mean. No. No, it is another. It's a it's a check in the loss column, if you like, mm-hmm. for the recruitment team. Um, yeah, I think with the better of hindsight, Barry Nicholson was perhaps uh, optimistic when he said, "If we can sort these things out over the four year span of his contract, we might have a player." Yeah, maybe, maybe not quite so much, Barry. Indeed. Um, right, that's enough about Wednesday night. Let's go back to the game on Saturday. New signing, Junior Hoylet. On the bench, of course, having joined on, did he sign Friday, I think it was, on um, a deal till the end of the season. I think it's the third time he's now worked under Neil Warnock. The Dons line up in what was like a kind of 4-3-3 uh, system in possession. Big, big onus on Jamie McGrath, though, to kind of drop deep when Hibs were in possession to try and thwart Obita on the Hibs left. A fairly scrappy encounter in that opening 10 minutes. You could tell this was two sides with a real lack of confidence and conviction before the game. But then it suddenly kind of burst into life. Uh, a poor kick out by Roos intercepted in the centre circle. Boyle played in before sidestepping Roos and knocking into an empty net. And Aberdeen responding it almost immediately, though, Mioski latching onto a lofted through ball. His first time effort. Saved well by Marshall, but Nicky Devlin was on hand to tap home. Jack McKenzie then with a fine run up the left flank. His effort well stopped by Marshall once again before he then thwarted Mioski, who looked to dink the ball over him when one-on-one. Leighton Clarkson hitting the bar on 37 minutes and what was a fairly open and pulsating opening 45 minutes that came to an end with the scores level at 1-1. Aberdeen out of the gates quickest in the second half. McGrath doing well to latch on to a half-cleared 
ball after fine work by Duke on the left. The Irishman steadying himself before knocking past Marshall to give the Dons lead. Big, big, big shouts for an Aberdeen penalty just three minutes later. Miofsky getting onto a poor Hibs clearance and he got his head onto the ball before Marshall who then took player and ball with his fucking fist. Nothing doing though by idiot. David Munro or the VAR on that one. Marshall then having to save a Duke effort on 64 minutes. It looked like it was curling at the top corner from distance. And after all of the Don's dominance in that second half, a real brain fart from Nicky Devlin allowing the visitors to level things up, taking a gamble on a ball, drifting out of play, allowing Newell to nip in to uh, grab the ball on the touchline. His pullback was met by Marconde to finish, initially flagged offside but then awarded following a VAR check. Double switch for the Dons on 73 minutes. Duke and Clarkson making way for Phillips and debutant. Hoylet, Hoylet with an immediate impact with his first cross ball into the box causing chaos. In the Hibs defence, we saw Marshall forced into a save by Miofsky. Marshall injuring himself in the process and having to be replaced by Wollacott in goals for Hibs. Garterman then with a head, headed effort just wide of the goal before McKenzie fired over as well. With seven minutes of injury time played, Miofsky with a great chance to win it at the death. Mackenzie's ball finding him in the box, but he couldn't quite adjust his body to get significant purchase on his effort. It was easily held by Walcott, and that was how it finished. 2-2 in this one on the day of front possession, 44% to 56%. Shots 22 to 7 in favour of Aberdeen. Shots on target 12 to 6. Expected goals 2.91 for the Dons to 1.46 for the visitors. Um, before we come on the game in a bit more detail, boys, just first things first, of course, Saturday was AFC Community Trust day celebrating 10 years of the trust looks like that all went really well again i have to give the club credit myself as well because um their kind of young fan initiative that they have with the kind of dawn's day out stuff was was great it's the first time i've been able to take a member of the young team up to it yesterday up in the dick donald and it was it was good up there yesterday obviously a bit busier because of the community trust day itself um but definitely i think for a lot of the kids up there a good experience i think most kids who were up there would be uh, keen to go back to that again so don't let it ever be said that we don't hand out credit where it's due. Um, thanks as well to those of you who follow us on Twitter and stuff who took up um, Gav's offer to to go in and get kind of the food donations, etc., to take down to the Seafine collection point if you weren't able to make it yourself. I think Gav, you and Matilda ended up being able to put, I think, 125 quid's worth of food down there at the collection point. Correct. Uh, food, uh, toiletries, the essential things that Seafine were we're asking for so yeah um that is 100 pounds more than we had to play with at the beginning of the day so thank you to everyone and we went to aldi so of course with that kind of money we took about half the store so uh, some stuff. very valuable donation made to see fine so thank you very much to everyone that participated yeah indeed absolutely um so onto the game itself perhaps no real surprises gents with the starting 11 given the opening 30 minutes that we just touched on earlier on against motherwood midweek perhaps the only real decision that Warnock had to make was whether he put Jensen back in if he was available or if he stuck with Garterman and McDonald. Um, for my money, when McDonald came on uh, alongside uh, Duke, I thought defensively we looked much much more solid. I think that Angus McDonald, for you know his age and maybe lack of pace, has a real ability to be in the right position to to cut things out to get headers away. And, you know, I, I personally felt beyond maybe a couple of moments of slack play with the ball, I thought it was pretty uh, pretty flawless against Motherwell. So I was not surprised in the least to find out that Jensen came back in and McDonald was on the bench again. Graham, any surprises for you at all with the, the starting 11? Well, I was convinced that Duan would get a go, so that was the <laughs> shows what I know. But uh, he should get a go. I'm sure we'll come on to that. Um, no, I think I, I like 
McDonald, uh, but no one else seems to. Um, well, Gav does. Gav loves. Uh, sorry, I should rephrase that. Those that have picked the team <laughs> over the last months don't seem to. But I, I think he's. I think he's decent. I think he. Uh, I think he's worth a run in the team. I wouldn't say Gartman and Jensen have been flawless by any means. I'm not sure actually they are any better than him. Um, so, but uh, yeah, I suppose I probably couldn't say I wasn't uh, shocked when I saw the lineup because it tends to rotate around those kind of guys. Well, actually, before coming up to that in a second or two, just also, how annoying is it that we actually don't have a goalkeeper who wears the number one shirt? Because the, for the very, this is such a like thing to get involved. I'd prefer about. it if he could kick and catch. Well, that as well. But that's just my take. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the fact that we actually went with a two through 11 on the squad number system on Saturday and the only thing stopping from from being a perfect old school 1 to 11 was Kel Reese's number 24 jersey just annoyed the the football purist in me it's fair to say just that little bit too much but I imagine Graham there were other things about Kel Reese that annoyed you a little bit further during the course of the game uh, yeah I, it's just not happening I think you've seen enough that um I think it's just contract up in the summer yeah yes. yeah, yeah so I mean that that you know that's that's enough for me his kicking is his kicking's poor, and I'm not like I'm not expecting um, you know people like want their keeper to be able to sort of play out the back and like I don't know like prime Beckham paying sixty yard passes, but I do expect him to keep it in the stadium when he needs to, and not duff it to the opposition. And then the amount of times um, you know balling at the box and you're screaming for the keeper and he's just rooted to his line. So I just don't think. I think what annoys me is he's he's got. Well, you look at him, he's got everything you would expect and need or want in a in a good goalkeeper, and I just don't see it. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that Saturday is down to him. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I've seen enough over the course of his time here that, you know, thanks, but um, we have to be doing better than that in the summer. Yeah, no, absolutely agreed. I mean, another game, another sloppy goal conceded early doors again by this side. Um, poor from Roos we just touched on it with the kick out Garterman's way too weak in his duel with I think it's Melida uh, there's definitely an argument there about whether Richard Jensen or Jack McKenzie should be doing better to track the run of Boyle and then it's an easy for Boyle in the end he kind of sits Roos down pretty easily taps into an empty net again that's now certainly since Warnock's come in early goals we've been shipping in every game with the exception of the Bonnie Rigg game and that's something that just can't continue to go on but this was just such a a frustratingly simple goal to avoid that we end up conceding and give ourselves a mountain to climb again. I would say, so. I mean, like the the kick is poor, but the kick reaches the hips player in their own half, or you know, so over the halfway line. So you know, far enough out that they can, all right, fine, we've got time to deal with this. And then I don't know what Gartman's trying to do, but that's woeful. And then whether I guess I was more about you know Mackenzie, but. I think we've said before in that where there's no width and you're basically looking at Devlin and McKenzie to provide your width, if they go forward and no one is smart enough to realise that that position needs to be covered, there's an example of just why you get completely completely done. So whether he should have been back earlier, Jensen should have been over, someone in midfield should have, I don't know, dropped back to cover Jensen. He goes out, you know, people just not doing their jobs. Basically, I'm not totally certain who... Is at fault because if you want Mackenzie and Devlin to provide that attacking threat, then you kind of have to be telling other people to cover for them because he's obviously not 
going to be able to get from end to end all game. So it's just it's poor, it's poor all round. And then Boyle just makes it look easy once he actually gets into the box. I was just I understand why in the box. To be fair, I was that was I was yeah. more astonished by that. Um, well, yeah. Yeah, this this is like it's not a surprise at all. I mean, this has been the story of Aberdeen for the last two and a half years, is you know conceding easy goals to the opposition uh, on a weekly basis. And I'm not surprised that Warnock's oh the game's disappeared. What the fuck just happened there? I don't know. Let's keep like, going. It's like David Copperfield. Um, so to see, I mean, I think they gave it right when the ball is kicked out from Bruce and it goes straight to the Hibbs midfielder and he kind of loops it back up in the air. I can kind of see Jensen's perspective of wanting to perhaps provide cover because if the Hibbs 17, who's quite a big guy, bullies Garman out of the way as he does, then Jensen has to provide a little bit of coverage. But, you know, I mean, I think when you watch the goal, when the ball goes to the Hibbs midfielder, Boyle's on about the halfway line and he starts making a move. And, you know, I think that McKenzie sees him and should know that he's going to be a very obvious option for the 17 to to play that ball. And, you know, we've we've identified on plenty of occasions that Boyle's one of his main danger men. So for him to be just tracking back so casually, I just find unacceptable. Um, I watch the highlights from the games all around Scotland this weekend. Uh, Livingston, who, you know, should be dead and buried. They could easily be feeling sorry for themselves. And you see their players throwing themselves at their tackles, throwing their bodies on the line, making clearances off the line. And it's just, it's chalk and cheese. And you can't be surprised where we are, where we are, when our players seemingly just have no pride in defending our, our goal. Just going back to the um, the setup again, the system was kind of quite an interesting one, I thought. Um, obviously, we went with Jens, and this was a different kind of shape we saw from Neil Warnock here on, on Saturday. Kind of like a, a weird lopsided 4-3-3. McGrath was being asked to do a lot more defensive work, certainly on his flank, than Duke was being asked to to do on his side. But again, and we'll maybe come on to touch a bit later on, it's almost like you kind of want someone who's been at the club for a little while now to be like, listen, a midfield three of Barron, Shinny and Clarkson doesn't really work. But yet, we still just persisted with it once again. At, at this point, it just feels like, you know, Neil Warnock, who I doubt is a big fan of, you know, the odd computer game. But it's just like playing FIFA or football manager and has seen the highest rated players and is saying, like, let's just get them in the team and we'll see what the fuck happens. Um, yeah, and I guess this just, again, just shows that, you know... The weird thing is you could play a 4 2 3 one with, that, with those players. Um, maybe you could, maybe. Um, tried that as well. Doesn't really work all that often either. Um, I don't know. I just there's a real general <laughs> malaise in this club that's Gav filtered into me. Obviously, no, just, um, just... I, I genuinely at this point I question whether anyone at the club really gives a shit about our season. So, <laughs> what's uh, what's my obligation to be sat here doing doing any more than what they are? Um. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised with the shape. I felt like the subs were not the best use of substitutions. I thought that you know we could have got Danny Pulvar on when we did, but that's moving on. I thought Hibbs. I thought Hibbs's changes influenced the game more than ours did. Well, that, and I also felt like we were running out of energy pretty early yeah. on. Um, a classic uh, Aberdeen of the season, where you know, not played that much football really since we came back from the from the winter break. But we're, of course we're leggy and we're tired, and so our manager doesn't make any changes to uh, to help the team out. Um. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I don't know what Warnock's thinking with some of his selection right now. Already, this this early into his uh into his tenure. I guess one thing you can probably say is that I'm not sure you can accuse the side of 
not having necessarily a level of determination to get back into things. Because at least we saw again on Saturday, as we saw on Wednesday night, you know, probably the only positive that you could take out of the performance on Wednesday night was that kind of willingness to not give up. We saw it again on Saturday. We got right back into the game, um, right on the level terms, basically straight away. A really, really, you know, fantastic effort from Yovsky over the shoulder. Left-footed volley that Marshall does well to get down to. Nicky Devlin again. And there's, you know, we'll, we'll come and talk about one of the negatives of Nicky Devlin's performances in a minute or two. But on the positive side, once again, gets himself into an advanced position to follow up like a, a true poacher. Not what you'd necessarily expect from your right back. Yeah, it's really, really good play from that point of view. Uh, and that's what we were talking about earlier for him and McKenzie in that role. Uh, and Devlin, I suppose, because we've seen him most of the season, certainly does that part of the game quite well in terms of getting up uh, into the box and he does put in a shift. So you know, obviously, yeah, it's good that he was there just to, you know, it would have been, been a sweet goal if it had gone in from Mayowski as a decent strike. Um, so it was good that he was there to follow up, um, but that was the that was obviously the highlight of his performance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gav as well, a good goal from Jamie McGrath to get us into the lead. I actually thought McGrath put in a real shift again in a role that he's not necessarily used to playing in when he's being asked to do a little bit more of that defensive work. We saw it as well on Wednesday night when he was asked to play as the wing back on the left-hand side in a 3-5-2, which he also wasn't asked to, or he certainly has no real track record of playing in. Um, but I thought McGrath did, did all right on Saturday. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a, a testament to my ability to see a player in front of me. You know, I think they made the point that, you know, when you guys were doubting him, I saw I saw the potential on that guy. Um, and what that's now... Eight, nine goals, I think he scored the season, uh, all from open play or, you know, none, none for penalties. And it's a really smart, you know, little bit of play. Just a lot of players would have just lashed at it and kind of drag it back and pick a spot. Uh, very good goal. And at that point, you know, I think myself and Graham were thinking the same thing of that we've kind of gotten out of jail here a little bit. And now that we're ahead of them, Hibs being in the form they are, we should go on and, and you know, capitalize and get a big three points, but of course that's that's never the Aberdeen way. No, it's not. I mean, just on McGrath really quickly, I know we kind of labour the point a little bit, Gav, with you because it's really funny about how much you doubted him um, being able to add anything to the to the group this year. But you're right, that's a seven goals in the league this season. This is eighth in total. You know, he's in the top 3% in the league from an attacking midfielder perspective in terms of goals scored. Um, chances created, he's in the top 30% there. You know, he's, he's performing steadily and consistently well which I think is one of the things I think a lot of us doubted his ability to do that and I think a lot of us and Graham you're probably in the same boat as well probably viewed him as being a bit of a penalty merchant and that's where a lot of his goals and stats had maybe been padded out from before um, but we're certainly seeing value in, in Jamie McGrath this season and um, it's kind of ironic that he's probably our best bit of business we did in the summer window now um, and he came in on a free and came in with a very little fanfare but um, yeah, he's having a good season, Graham. On a personal level for him, you know. I, he's a much better player than I thought he was and he works a lot harder. So he's a much better team player than I thought he was as well. So uh, yeah, um, I, I think he's having a good season and he's contributing to the team. You know, he talked about his work rate. I didn't really think he had that in him and it's probably just me being slightly ignorant. You think, well, you know, attacking midfielder is probably just more interested in that side of it. And maybe that's the way his game was and he's had to adapt or he's grasped the opportunity to play in the Aberdeen team every week, whatever it may be. 
he puts in a better shift than I thought he would do. He's a better footballer than I thought he was. And then, you know, obviously chipping in with the goals, which we absolutely do require him to be doing. So, yes, I, I think he's been a really good signing. I was a bit meh when he did sign. Yeah, that's fair. I don't but, think uh, No, he's, he's, been, he's been decent. So that's, that is definitely one of the better uh, bits of business from the recruitment team. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, he will be, like, our second top goal scorer. And, yeah, like I say, all of them from, done from the penalty spot. So he is providing uh, at least a little bit of help to, to Boyamiowski. And, yeah, I he has more in the in the way of work rate and discipline than I thought he did. And he's a real threat. He scores lots of different types of goals as well in the, in the penalty area. So he's an obvious person that I'd play at left wing back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like the goal. I really like the goal on Saturday just because, as you said, Gav, it was that. How often would you see a player in that situation just take it as soon as it lands at their feet, they're gonna just smash it and try and hope for the best. The fact he just has that ability to take that little bit of time and just slow everything down around them. Or if you're any one of our other players you, you play it back with. Or that as well, yes. The ball finds its way back to Kelrus. <laughs> I thought it was really good because it because it was at the other end, it almost just looked like it was a bit of a stramash. Yeah. It's only when I saw it on the replay, I thought, Oh, that that is pretty cool. To I just, thought he'd had a uh, shot wait for it initially, yeah. And then that, well, that's what I thought. And then it, it looked to me like the ball was just sort of bouncing around, and then it somehow ended in. And then we watch it again, like that that's pretty cool. He's just basically waiting for people to make a move, and then he just picks a spot. Yeah, um, yeah, that's pretty composed. And he and he's just like, "Fuck you, boy, I'm having this one." <laughs> yeah, absolutely, no, definitely. Uh, oh, McGrath, just really quickly before we come and we'll come and talk a bit more of the game. But McGrath, you, you only signed a two year deal. Um, it's probably not priority, priority one, but would you be thinking if you were the club about trying to get a, an extension put a front McGrath just now? Because I can see there's a lot of value he has to the team and to the squad as a whole for any manager going forward. Because he's versatile as well. He can play in a number of different areas that he seems like the kind of player that would be very useful to have in, in, in the squad going forward. Gav, wouldn't you say? Eight-year deal, Gav? Give him a Chelsea deal? I agree with the uh, the point of you know extending his contract if he's uh, if he's up for staying sticking around, but he is very 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 low down on my priority list of things I want to uh, extend and or change within our first team at a football operation. Okay, we might come on a bit more of that later on. Let's talk about the um, the Hibs equalizer. Um, can anybody attempt to fathom what Nicky Devlin was thinking? He had two two on his coupon. <laughs> I. Because even from my vantage point at the upper deck of the Dick Donald, I thought, I don't think that's going out. I don't think it's it's got enough Absolutely on it to go out. Absolutely no danger that ball was going out. Um, just a real brain fart of a moment from him, wasn't it? And it's... See, uh, the thing is that if you're going to do that, let the ball run out, you still get your body in the way. And yeah. I mean, we, we've all seen what defenders are allowed to do when it comes to, quote-unquote, shepherding the ball out of play. I mean, he could have, like... We'd already seen a bit of a... A Superman punch from David Marshall earlier in the game. He could have just, you know, given it the old ooh and speared Joe Newell if he wanted and got away with it. So to just let it go the way he does is it's just it's unforgivable. It's probably the two we've had two brain farts at Nicky Devil this season, Graham. There was the one against Celtic early doors, there's that yep. one. Yeah, just really annoying that it comes from a player who has been on the whole really, really dependable this campaign. At the time, I was so angry. It was just a ridiculous ridiculous decision at any level regardless of the fact it's supposed to be the top flight but you know I guess what well, people make mistakes 
had plenty of mistakes being made by his teammates throughout the course of the season. And in general, he's been really rather good and really reliable. So it's really disappointing that it happened. And it's kind of, you know, of course we'd concede a goal with a comedic element to it. But I don't really see the point. Like, from, you know, from my point of view, it's done. I think over the course of the season, he's been he's been good. Mistakes happen, unfortunately. It's just unfortunate that that was like such a blatant mistake that then, you know, but then the concession of the goal clearly is, that has got a huge part to play in it, but <clears throat> it's not like everyone else covered themselves in glory either. No, I don't I don't think, personally speaking, that Nicky Devlin's matched the standards he set in the first half of the season since we've come back from the winter break. And it's one thing if he is an inexperienced young player and it just it's stupidity, but he's an experienced head. And if you're going to, do that, just get rid of the ball. Uh, I think you can easily get it away to the south stand right for a corner kick. Just don't take any chances. And yeah, it's gifted Hibs an equaliser and it gave them all the impetus to go on and be the only team that really looked like they wanted to win the game. Jink as well, it was Devlin another um, victim, Jink, a little bit of the kind of complete imbalance in the squad though, because he's basically the only right back available to us. Um, he's played, has he played every minute of every game? This uh, I think he's missed one or two. I think he was missing in Helsinki, uh, off the top of my head. Well, and everybody was missing in Helsinki. Yeah. And Frankfurt. Papi Gay got a game in Helsinki. Well, I mean, you know, again, I guess we were talking about Kelrus having that lack of competition. Uh, you could say that, Nicky Devlin. Um, Jack Millen has come in and played in a similar kind of role and done, I think, well, given his lack of time in that position. But yeah, um, I think maybe there's an element of much like Shinny game management. You know, it's not been handled very well all by the by the management team who seems so seems so very careful with how Angus McDonald's played and the yeah. minutes that he accumulates over the course of a week or two. But we'll just let everyone else, you know, run themselves into the ground. But this is not tiredness excuse. This is just Oh no, this is an it, absolute this is, brain this, fart. Is, this, this is just this is, insanity on his part. And yeah, yeah. I sh- we should expect a lot better from what he did. No, absolutely. Um, really quickly, let's just touch on uh, Junior Hoylett signed on Friday. Um, he can only have maybe had like one training session, perhaps. To the side, I think he was at Cormac Park on Thursday. Um, first impressions of him when he came off the park didn't really do very much. But the one thing I did like was at least the first thing he thought about when he got the ball wide was just to try and beat his man and flare across into the box. And it's amazing what happens in this league when you do so because it caused absolute mayhem in the Hibs defense when he did that. Go beat that out of him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have anything to say. I don't, I don't mean that as in. No, I know you didn't I mean, do that. Enough I don't have anything to say. Um, <clears throat> I kind of not enough time. I've kind of gotten over this modern trend of putting like wingers on their opposite flank. If you know what I mean. So he's a right-footed winger. So of course we're going to get him on the left Inverted side. Inverted wingers, Gav, come on. And we're going we're gonna to get him on the left side and have him cut inside and play the ball in towards the goalkeeper. Uh, I think there's a benefit to having someone like that on the right side and get crosses coming across the box away at the corridor of uncertainty. Um, but yeah, he looked, he looks like he's got the kind of quality we know he does. He's played at a very high level for a number of years and Warnock obviously trusts him. They have a good relationship. I'll should be curious now to see how much he's actually going to play because well, he's not played any competitive football since the beginning of November. November. So we have to get him back up to speed. Scottish football is pretty unforgiving at times. And how often have we seen, you know, um, emergency pieces of business come into Aberdeen and occupy a space in the physio room quite quickly? So um, hopefully, hopefully we'll see a bit more. Uh, he'll be a, a good addition. But he's a, it's another piece of business that has me 
a little bit nervous. I struggle to think of any signings we've made, like that you know, that outside of a transfer window comes in a short term deal that have ever worked out for us. Oh, Greg Halford was a ma- no. Wait a minute. Simon Church was all right, wasn't he? That was that was in January though. It was in a window. Was that in yeah. January? Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I mean, yeah, yeah, like free agent style. Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to rack my brain. Yes, I'm yes. thinking like Lubomir Blaha. I'm thinking. Yeah, forty-five minutes. It. I'm thinking it's Andy. I'm thinking Andy Driver. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. That's about as far as my well is going with that one. I think. So hey, let's wait and see what happens. I mean, he, he did more to be fair to him in twenty minutes than. Shade Morris has done his entire Aberdeen career, I think, so far. So there might be some um, some elements to come. Oh, if that's that. the standard, then. <laughs> Jing Junior Hoylet's uh, sponsorship is available for the rest of the season. Going cheap, <laughs> I'd imagine. <laughs> um, anyway, let's. Um, that was the game. I don't know about you guys. I thought Saturday was a kind of weird game of football. Like it was strangely open. Both teams were like really, really open at the back. Neither team can defend for shit, it's fair to say. Um, but I was also really curious about Hibbs's time-wasting policy for large chunks of the game, considering that a draw suited neither side. Well, I know, and if you attack us, the chances are you're going to get a goal. I know. I, I was really surprised at that as well. Um, and on the game, actually, though, sort of moaning about a lot of stuff now, actually, at points, I enjoyed, you know, there was more football, actually, probably from both sides. I think the openness maybe helped the game in general, but there were periods where I thought we played it was a bit different and a little bit better than it has been. There was a bit more of an attacking threat, but ultimately still resorted to aimless punts at times. And as soon as there's any semblance of an attack from the opposition, it's hilarious how bad we are <laughs> at the back. Let's come on to that then, Graham, because you know, we're now four games in under Warnock. Um He's obviously only been in the door for really kind of two weeks. We've had we have had four games in quite quick succession off the back of that. On your side, Graham, and we'll come to you in a minute, Gavs on this. Anything really changed as far as you're concerned under Warnock so far? Or do you think these would have been the same sort of results would have pulled out under Robson? I think pretty similar results, to be honest. Maybe a little bit more football in there. Um, but I think it's pretty same similar results, to be honest. Now, actually, that's not really me sort of moaning about no, Warnock. Because you know, what, what could you do in that short period of time? And actually, yeah, for this season, I've, I think Gavin was joking at the start, I pretty much checked out. I'm pretty much fed up with it all. I mean, all that's really critical, in my opinion, for the rest of the season is what happens basically in the boardroom. Um, and, you know, the impact of this, let's hope it really is, independent review. And we get, we get our act together so you know in terms of what we see in the pitch I'm, I'd question what can really change in the basis of that squad is so sort of one dimensional I still think there are good players in there but I think the point Gav made in our chat was well was like are there we've been here before sort of saying look there's good players there's a good team it's just not happening but maybe actually maybe there aren't enough good players to get a tune out of them on a regular basis yeah, we spoke about this in the chat last night. I think there are good players. I'm just not convinced we are a good team, which I think is two different things. Yeah, and that's kind of where I don't know how you've. Oh, is is there a good squad? Yeah, well, I think that's that is um, quite clearly no. It's because not. we've you know even like um really really excited. I couldn't believe that we got Clarkson back, and it's just not happening for him now. He's not suddenly become a bad player, 
but we're just not using him properly. I mean, Ryovsky is the one that has picked up and arguably improved from yeah. last season, but no one else has really... That Everyone was else has dropped off. Everyone, Everyone else, else has dropped off. Yeah. And that's really, really... I don't really know the reason, you know, coaching, management. I don't know, whatever it is. But, uh, yeah, I'm just pretty much checked out for the rest of the season to be honest I'm pretty fed up with it all yeah but it does mean that they have to get it right behind the scenes otherwise you know I think there there probably be a lot of people at the end of their tether Gav yes. anything under Warnock that you're kind of really seeing is different a bit of a change as far as the four games we've seen so far in particular focusing on the three league games the, the Bonnery games the, you know, was what it was um, no, I think I, I would have expected the exact same performance we put in against Rangers at Ibrox under Robson. Um, I don't think we'd come back from 3-0 down um, against Motherwell if Robson was still in charge. Robson doesn't make the switch on 27 minutes. I'll give Warnock, you talked about earlier on, it's damning with faint praise when you give the guy credit for making a switch after he's made an absolute cock and balls of the initial starter lineup but at least he recognized it was fucked and made the changes robson doesn't do that that's absolutely fair but also in fairness i never remember robson playing jamie mcgrath left wing back so you know i mean god he did play shade yeah. right wing back though so well this is very true but so you know you give with one hand take with the other <laughs> um and then hibs you know i, I think I, I tend to agree with him like there was uh, one or two you know bits of good play i felt with the ball there's still too much just aimless punting of it to Boyamiovsky to try and do whatever he can do with it. Um, I found the substitutions, as I said, a little bit um, not optimal use of them. I think that Clarkson wasn't having a good day. Uh, he was trying a lot of passes to cut the defence and they just weren't coming off. We've got a guy in our team, in our squad, in Danny Pulvan, who's shown he can do that. And he is, at the end of the day, our player. Um, but he brings Phillips on, who I thought, you know, other than the home game with Southie, I think Phillips has offered as much at all. Um, so it's back to that Stephen Glass, Stephen Glass interview of we're not going to bring in loan players to stand in front of our own players just for the sake of it. That seems to have gone out the window there again. And yeah, like Graham said, we're just we're just comically bad without the ball. I felt I felt bad for Connor Barron at one point because I think he was the only midfielder trying to compete with theirs. And we're talking about Dylan Levitt and Joe Newell at the end of the day here. Yeah. Like Levitt's a big part of the team that goes down. Joe Newell's maybe the most one-footed player in the entire Scottish Premiership. And anytime they have the ball, it's just like they've got hours on it. And there's a chasm in our midfield. I was shocked when they brought Ellie Ewan off uh, for the guy Tavares because he had the run of anyone he wanted. And all it takes is him to get it right one time. And they'll get the goal. Um, I think in a lot of ways we were lucky the Hibs did time waste because if they'd kept on attacking, I think they could easily have got another goal against us. Uh, so, yeah, nothing much to heard Warnock saying after the game that he thought was the best performance of his time here. If that's true, that says more about the other three performances than it does about this one. Well, he's probably right, to be fair. We didn't really do much at Rangers. We were awful for 30 minutes because Motherwell, we beat a Bonnie Rig team 2 0, which we should do. We weren't good against Hibs. No, we weren't good against Hibs, but he's probably right in saying it's probably our best performance under him. I just think you're right that that just says an awful lot. Maybe, but I think we were expecting to kind of bounce out of Neil Warnock and it hasn't happened. Um, well, that, that's that's an interesting point because... Um, I, th I think just finally, I would just say, like, I tend to agree with game. For me, all I'm looking at is the Scottish Cup. I think if the best we can hope for in the league is 
top six and there's more chance of me singing Kings of fucking Europe when we're 3-0 down at St Mirren than there is of me celebrating top six with Aberdeen. So yeah, I'm checked out and we'll see what happens. I don't, the thing about this whole review is I think they could come back and make a list of recommendations and I'm not sure that our board would actually act upon it. It's a very good point. I think somebody raises the question about that later on, so we'll come on and talk about that in a bit. But um, looking at just the, the data around since now Warnock's been in, I mean, from an attacking perspective, our expected goals has definitely improved in the league since Warnock's come in. Um, we averaged 1.34 under Robson. Currently, we're 1.62 under Warnock uh, for his three league games. And considering that that also included a trip to Ibrox, it's fair to say we definitely do look a little bit more threatening going forward perhaps actual use of width is maybe helping there a little bit but you guys have touched on it i still think we're too often lumping balls forward with little kind of real thought about what we're doing yeah it's like there's a try a couple of things doesn't work just get rid um i'd like to say it's the usual culprits but actually i feel like it's seeping into even some of our better players and there were times on saturday where clarkson's playing stupid passes like what are you doing you weren't brought here to just try and launch it to Boyan. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you, you know, a long ball can't be a useful pass. What I am saying is if you're just basically putting it into the channels, what is the point? And then, yeah, I mean, like even on um, Saturday, like it's a, a loopy loop that Miofsky does incredibly well with to create the Devlin goal. There's a through ball where he has to like sprint and hold off a defender and you know Marshall does very well to save it. And then I, I think of the second half, I can't think of Miofsky really having a chance beyond maybe the McKenzie cross. And I guess it's just on his, his wrong foot probably to be able yeah. to get it past the goalkeeper. You know, Miofsky's taken this team and put him put it on his back and he's done incredibly well, but we can't just keep depending on him. Uh, I mean, the positive you could say about that is at least now in the last two games we've scored five goals in those two games and Miofsky's obviously not scored one of them. So at least now we're starting to see some people coming back to the fold and taking some of the load from him. How many goals have we conceded? Fair point, yeah. That's, I'll come uh, on to in a minute. More, more of the point is that we're still, uh, yeah, well, let's conceding talk about the comical goal after comical goal after comical goal. Like, we still look shaky as fuck at the back at times. Here's a question for you. Are we missing Rubicic more than people thought we would have, would have done? No. I mean, you're looking at, you're giving me a look to suggest that we were rock solid when Rupesic was fit and available. Not saying we were rock solid, but are we possibly? I mean, Graham, you know, he's been out of the team now for a few weeks. Our defensive work has been pretty poor since he's been out of the, out of the team. Maybe it was our defensive work when he was in the team. Well, there we go. Let's come on to that then. Because... I, jokes aside, I, I think he's a lot better at just winning those aerial duels and getting rid of the ball. The problem is every single game, mm-hmm. he will come charging out and basically just leave a crater at the back if he could cut that out. So I think, but like from the point of view of balls coming in the box and just getting headed away, he's definitely better at that, I would say, than uh, the guys that have been filling in for him. Yeah. And actually when the others get attacked, they don't look too assured either. So maybe there is something in that but fundamentally you know nobody's defending particularly well on a consistent basis whether you've got him or not no the the biggest issue is the fact that we're not playing our best set defender on a regular basis and we have in front of the defense there is nothing to provide them any coverage there's Hans Molman you know and Graham Shinney these days trundling about with a walking with a walking cane uh you know 
bad and you know these guys like they try their best but they're not it's not their game i mean it was clear as day what we needed uh in the in the summer when we lost ramadani a player in that kind of mold and we didn't bother trying to replace him we knew it all season and then we didn't bother trying to find that kind of player in january even though there's one or two obvious targets within our own league i just think they're all they're constantly under pressure and then on top of that you've got the goalkeeper or the right the right back just you know fucking selling the jersey just looking at the numbers again though since warnock's come in we've conceded seven in our three league games that's an average of 2.33 goals per game um robson had us at 23 conceded in 21 league games which is 1.095 goals conceded per game that's a huge jump in just three games to have doubled that metric i think what i hear i think what i hear there is that neil warnock's just a bit gung-ho for our for this league. Which I wasn't expecting to say, but yeah, well, this is my problem with that statistic. It's not really, it's not a direct comparison because it's only a direct comparison if it's the same people playing, trying to play the same way. I, I completely agree. Absolutely. It's, but it's all we can go on at the moment. It's a, to have gone from 1.9, just over one goal a game conceded to, you know, two and a bit in three games is, it's a worry. And, and bearing in mind, we went to Ibrox in that time as well. And you, you could look at that and go, that statistic has been skewed because we got an absolute pumping, but we didn't. That's got to be a concern. I mean, he needs to get the defence sorted out pronto, let's be honest. I mean, we all know that's how you get your team up this league. We've scored more goals than Kilmarnock and St Mirren this season, but they're 14 and 11 goals better off, respectively, in terms of goals conceded than ourselves. That's how you get yourself up the table in this, in this league. What we would all reasonably expected, given Warnock's previous style of play with a number of his clubs, would be that he'd exactly do what maybe Robson did last season when he came in as caretaker, and you know find a way simply to make us more difficult to beat. But I just go back to some of the team selection, and again, Jamie McGrath, left wing back, you know, Shaden Morris, right right wing back, when Nicky Devlin's on the pitch, and you know Angus is on the bench. Uh, it's just fucking, it's just lunacy. I, I'm. This is the whole thing about this whole thing. Like, I think someone said, maybe Michael Stewart said, like, we wouldn't have hired Neil Warnock if he hadn't been in the podcast the last couple of years saying he wanted to manage the Scottish football. And I think there's, I think an, element of, I think there's an element of truth about that. I think there's an element of truth. And I think there's, that. you know, I don't think you even consider him. And the fact that he's also mentioned that we never, you know, replied to his phone call or his job application, like, oh, that's bad manners of us. So let's just give him a gig and see what the fuck happens. And as people say, like, he's just having fun with it and that's all well and good. But I mean, you know, I saw him laughing and joking a lot with Nick Montgomery on the sidelines when shit was hitting the fan. And uh, how much does this really mean to Neil Warnock? It's a very good question. It's a very, very, very good question. Um, sorry, Graham, you were about to say something. I was going to say because we waited so long to pull the trigger, and after another disappointment, disappointing, ugh, disappointing appointment. That was easy for me to say. We're now find ourselves in February, where it's kind of pre-season. For Warnock, because the only I know you've got your training, etc. But the only way he can find out what these guys can and can't do is to put them in the games. And yeah, you look at the formations, you think that's a bit wacky. But you're looking at that from, certainly fucking wacky on Wednesday night. You're, you're looking at that as in like you've seen these guys in certain roles yeah. and they've tried it and you think it doesn't work. He, he doesn't have that luxury. So this is just what happens when you don't do anything in your transfer window and you let your manager ride it out and then you you're stuck now 
doesn't make any sense with the overriding philosophy that you know guides our entire club through every decision we possibly make in terms of players, structure, and management. Yeah, where does Junior Hoyle fit in that philosophy? Other than he knows Neil Warnock. Oh, put some respect. I'm not on having the name. a dig at him actually. <laughs> Wait for the resale. I'm not having oh, a dig yeah, at him yeah. at all. My point is clearly just no. I know the manager right. be like, I need where some does Neil guys. Warnock fit into the old, you know, incorporate youth into the club. The, the, yeah, the fact that we're having to make a signing like Junior Hoyle desperately uh, midway through February says a lot um that's as simple as that we as always we threw open some of the voice notes just to get a couple of people's thoughts themselves about what um their view about how things are going so far under neil warren we've got a couple of them here and then i think gav you went as well and also did the cody rose what do you guys want to talk about on twitter so we've got a few of those to go through as well quickly um let's take the two voice notes quickly we'll come back to player of the match and then because i think some of the Twitter posts go a little bit further. They're a bit more expanded than just talking about the game. So here's a uh, Ross. Yeah, there's definitely signs of improvement yesterday. Warnock has injected a bit of life out of the place. Um, you can definitely tell um, from terms of our attacking sense, we definitely have improved the past couple of matches. It is a bit direct, but at least we're getting up on the second balls. We're trying to get crosses in the box. You know, there's there's a genuine intent there. And some and yesterday there was passages of play that were. Or decent around the uh, eighteen yard box, you know, try to work something. So there, there is definite improvement there. Duke looks a bit better. Clarkson's a bit more involved. But yeah, in terms of the, in terms of the defense, I mean, that just gives you a platform to build to build nothing, doesn't it? I mean, you know, just through netters yesterday. I mean, Bruce's kick out, Garmin getting bullied, and McKenzie just kind of ambling back between between the three of them. It just creates a horrendous goal. Then obviously Devlin for the second. I don't know what he's what he's thinking. You can't really legislate for individual errors like that, I suppose. But there has been signs of improvement. Will it be enough to go on a run? And will it be enough to win the cup? I highly doubt it. But at this point, I think most Don's fans understand the season's probably a write-off, and we reassess and go again next season. But yeah, come on, you Reds. And then a regular contributor, uh, Jamie Jamie Buck and Bobby Soggy Biscuit. All right, boys. I think we are seeing change. However, my arse is still going like a rabbit's nose anytime anybody wants to attack us because we're just dog shitting between the sticks and in defence. And obviously these mistakes are costing us points. Um, a lot more attacking intent though, for sure. Um, I liked what I saw from Poilet when he came on. Just head down wants to get the ball in the box, which is everything we need. Um, so definitely seeing much more attacking intent, but we we'll need to figure out these mistakes at the back rapidly. I don't think we're going to end up in a relegation battle by any means, but I think it's just a case of season's over, write it off, let's just start planning for the next one because it's got to improve rapidly and I don't think Warnock's going to be hanging around to oversee any of that change. So, yeah, let's just stick a fork in it and move on third maybe fourth season in a row where the words right off are used at this point in the season <laughs> yeah i know um glory days what a time to be alive it's probably fair enough though, i think both of those graham i would suggest um we're kind of pretty much at that point now where the season is effectively a bit of a right off i mean i was going to touch on that really quickly I, with that result on saturday with the form generally of the teams that are above us in the table now i find it more and more difficult to think we'll be the team that sneaks the top six so basically all eggs are currently now in the Scottish Cup basket, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's lamentable what's happened to Aberdeen this season. 
it really is. The, it the really amount is. of money that's been invested, the opportunity that was there in front of us to pull away from a lot of the rest of the league, uh, create a bit of a, a big gap for ourselves, uh, or maybe even win a trophy. Uh, it's all just been sabotaged from day one. And I think there's a, a very real point to be made that potentially you could look at it and say, well, we've brought 10, 11, 12 players in this season over the course of summer. Never and, again, though. So. We're January. never going to do it again. There'll never be a big squad rebuild ever again. You could make the argument that none of them have improved the squad or the team. Um, I mean, Devlin's coming and been good. Is he an improvement at Ross McCorey? I would still say no. Uh, was McGrath, has McGrath exceeded expectations? Absolutely. Was he the player we needed for the team? Don't think so. Um, and then everyone else, you know, they've ranged from Papi Gay to um, Gartman and Jensen, where you maybe still can't quite make your mind up. Uh, yeah, lamentable what's happened. And as I say before, I don't think the people's heads who needs to roll are, I think they'll be very comfortable come next season. They'll be telling us all how lucky we are to have them. Yeah, deeply, deeply depressing, it's fair to say. I mean, you boys in the same boat, you think top six pretty much done now? I don't think it's much chance. I think we could get it still, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> Yeah, the, I don't understand, you know, someone just decided to split the league at a point and now all of a sudden top six is a thing. It's bollocks. I think it would mean a lot more if it felt like you could get there and then somehow, if you were on a run, that you could somehow get yourself into fourth or fifth and, and pick up one of the European spots. But I just don't see it happening right now. With I think, I don't know where Kamarnik are now in the league ahead of us. Kamarnik are 10 points ahead, albeit they've played a game more. So it's okay. Game in hand, bang, back down to seven. Beat them on Saturday, bang, yep. down to four. Yep. What was it that United always tweet? What was it, like United on the chase or something United, like that? United in pursuit. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was class last season. I love that. Hashtag Aberdeen in pursuit. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then there's... What makes you think you'd win the game in hand? What makes you think you'd beat Kelly? What makes you think that they're suddenly going to drop off a cliff? Do you know, it's it's all getting a little bit... You don't see rely on a lot of favors are being clutched. I mean, look, yeah, we, yeah, we've yeah. won six games throughout right, twenty-five. There is no danger in the remaining thirteen. We're going to go on any kind of meaningful run that's going to have us now close to Kilmarnock. Never mind you know, that. anyone else. So um, I like it, Gav. I like I like the reverse psychology. You did it with Jamie Grath at the start of the season. Five points in it between ourselves and Dundee at the moment. I mean, again, we could do it, but yeah, who gives a shit? <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, Let's come on quickly just to talk about a. Let's, let's look at some of the bits and pieces that came in uh, on the old Twitter or X, I suppose we should call it now. Uh, Bobby Soggy Biscuit asking again, just um, apparently Neil Warnock's way back down south the weekend. Did Gunner book his flights? I think the answer to that will probably be yes. Sean Wilson, why there seems to be a lot of chat about Gartenman waiting to see who the new gaffer is before he decides, are we seriously offering him a deal? He's not the quality we should be aiming for. I would tend to agree. I don't know if that's him just saying that he is kind of in limbo as far as whether we are going to take up the option of buying him because we haven't got a manager in place who, I mean, could Warnock really be in charge of making a decision of whether anyone stays next season? I would like to think. Ordinarily, no. you would say no, but given our absolute. Yeah, it's not the manager, remember? Club, then, yes, he will be. Well, I mean, yeah, because Graham's right. It should be, uh, it should obviously be the DOF, I guess, who would call make that kind of shot. I don't, I, I was, yeah, I'm not certain Gartman really. If he, if you signed him 
not sure I'd be clamoring to have him in the first team. You wouldn't be getting his name on the back of your shirt? No. I, like He's been all right. He's had good games and bad games, but I don't know if I'm all that bothered. I thought Betsy was all right yesterday, but then like the, well, yeah, the but first then goal, he has a big hand in the goal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, look, he's all right. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not... Or maybe I'm just being really <clears throat> greedy and overly optimistic that we are going to get better players than that. And maybe, maybe we're not, but I wouldn't be that fussed if he stayed or if he went. I think if you want to talk about improving, then you need to obviously aim higher than the players who've been, you know, first team shouts every week. Um, yeah. And if they're not performing way above and beyond, like Miofsky, then you have to think about it. And I don't think Garmin's bar his initial first five games. And I thought he was good against Rangers, Ibrox. But on the whole, I've been underwhelmed by him. So yeah. I wouldn't be in any rush. Dylan Tate wants us to talk about goalkeepers over the years and the distinct lack of quality between the six. I feel that's like an entire episode in and of itself. Potentially. I will say, I thought the Hibs subkeeper who came on did, did well. Yeah. Worth whatever. a look. I saw a lot of people online on Friday night talking about the Wraith goalkeeper, Zabrowski, who seemed to have completely forgotten about the fact he was absolute dug meat at Hibs. So, yeah, he had some excellent saves. And then any time he had to do any collecting of the ball of the aerial variety, he was woeful. Lads, someone on Wednesday night was saying that if we sell Miofsky and Duke in the summer, we should be looking at Theo Bear. Dubrovsky is the least of our issues when it comes to player recruitment if we were like, you know, a fan-owned football club. Nobody said that, did they? Yep. How do you mind the lad's name, but uh, worth oh, a look. Fucking hell. Indeed. Uh, Fraser Khan, it's on the goal. Oh, again, was it? It definitely wasn't me. I know I've had my moments. I know I've had my moments, but it definitely wasn't me. But is that because in your world we're holding on to Miofsky? No. <laughs> Which actually goes on to a, a bigger part, actually. This is the most galling part about the close season that's about to come up, is that we'll probably rake in more money over the summer on transfers and like transfer add-ons than we would make by being in the Euro- one of the group stages of the Europa tournaments. Like obviously not the Champions League, but we're not going to get there. I don't think, unless it's a really late charge. I don't think we're making the Champions League group stages this year. Who are the who's the add-ons? Lewis Ferguson. Oh, he's going nowhere. He's, he's going to be he's, he's going to be a Bologna life. I can see it already. Yeah, we 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 joked about this. Actually, it's going to be sta- They are level with At- Atlanta in fourth place. They could easily be a Champions League team. Atlanta have a game in hand, and I think Bologna will fall away a bit towards the end of the season. I'm but, not. I'm, I'm not so sure. Anyway, um, we we Gavin I did joke about this during the the week I think about the fact that watch us Lewis Ferguson will turn into a Bologna lifer, and the only sell on we'll get is when he eventually makes the move to team or something. <laughs> no, a team in Govan when he's like thirty six and he's just on the on the outs just for a, a quick one season just to be there and they sell and make sure and make no mistake he will leave under freedom of contract. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 half a mil. We'll we'll get our hundred fifty grand out of it. <laughs> Um, if you look at like Miofsky, the likely Lewis Ferguson sell on, and then probably even Duke, you know, we could probably be looking at 10 million easily. Yeah. Well, just on coming current, in the on door on, form, on current form. Once we get, let's Benfica get their cut of the Duke money, we'll have a, a yeah. tidy, tidy 100k, tidy 500k. Use there. Okay, but between Miofsky and Ferguson, we'll probably make the guts of eight or nine million. We'll probably make more eight or nine million. What? Lira <laughs> you never it's fantasy land you live in you never ever get I would never ever get 
the value that they're supposed to. The only two that sell players for big sums are the gruesome twosome. Yeah, no, 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 not- no, no, Graham. I mean, the Bolton Wanderers right back right now. We sold him for big money. It's true. It's the true. guy, the guy that was getting that, the guy that was chasing the ball in Copenhagen the other night. We don't <laughs> with him. Played well tonight, though. I generally sure. don't think Lewis Ferguson will go in the summer, so I think that's <laughs> relying on something that's not going to actually materialise. Ferguson will go in the summer. I'm, I'm pretty convinced. Captain I'm pretty Bologna, convinced. Yeah, they get in the chat this week. I think he'll stick around. I don't. Uh, Bologna won't. Anyway, regardless, that. But that's the most. We're completely sidetracking here now. That's the most galling part of it. Is that well, even if you make six million, six and a half million in the window, that's as much as you would make in the Europa Conference League, there or thereabouts. And that's the most galling thing about this is that we'll probably look at that and go, well, that's fine. We've covered our losses. But think about what an amazing position we could have been in if you're making six and a half mil in transfers and add-ons and all that kind of good stuff. And you're making the same again in Conference League for the second year running. That's game-changing kind of opportunity. And I'm worried that the club's just going to go, all right, well, okay, we we fucked up a bit on the field this year, but we'll hashtag go again. It's all right, because we kind of just filled up that level of loss with transfer fees and stuff and the worrying part now is as well that once your Miofskis once your Dukes go and once the Ferguson sell-on's done there's not a lot of residual value kicking about anywhere else in our transfer dealings we've done recently well the only one that we'd have left probably would be Leighton Clarkson and we've turned him into an absolute nothing player over the course of six seven months so you can kiss goodbye at that right now um Hey, that money will come in very handy when we need to pay off Shaden Morris. And Pappy. And Pappy. And Vinny. Just just really and depressing. Vinny. Just really depressing. Isn't and it? as um, it stands, maybe even like Richard Jensen. <laughs> it's just a real missed opportunity, isn't it? It is. It's a huge missed opportunity. You know, we spoke at the, I think it was probably the beginning of the season. I think if you could have a, you know, you've also got the European revenue, if you could have a decent campaign if you could have a, you know, and somehow maintain your league form so that you get it again. You know, they, you're never going to catch the gruesome twosome, but the gap between us and the Hearts and the Hibs, if you if you could do that a couple of seasons in a row, you know, like Hearts and Hib- and Aberdeen and maybe Hibs to an extent, we can match each other financially for a season or two, but then at some point someone's going to, like, right, I can't afford to sustain that. If we could have just got yeah. that momentum going, I genuinely think that starts to build a bit, a bit of a a buffer between us and the rest. And it's it starts to snowball at that point. Well, it, it does, because you hopefully, you know, you, you make a lot of money, you invest a lot of money, you get it right, you get there again and so on and so forth. And then the others can't, I mean, the, most of the clubs in the in the league just aren't going to have the resources to match you in a one-off season anyway. And the ones that do clearly can do it for a season or two before they're going to realise that we can't just be throwing money at this and not getting anything for it so they'll have to cut their cloth accordingly and then obviously that just gives you more headroom but it's just been a total missed opportunity the worst thing about it all is that we spent the money to build that squad so that we could sustain both the league and Europe and it was just spent horrendously with and with a combination of mismanagement and poor recruitment we find ourselves in this place now where yeah it's going to be another enormous turnover in the summer and you know Money will be going out the door simply to get players off the books because no one's going to take half these guys. Let's quickly move on a few of them. Uh, this this guy's popped up a couple of times. Craig Sampson. People are wondering what the fuck he actually does and what oh, the point is. I, I thought he'd left you a point. <laughs> and Craig Sampson himself. Was like, <laughs> I'm finally getting that match-worn jersey after all this time. Um, yeah, it's an interesting question, I guess. It's you know a couple of people are making the same point that 
this may be Kel Reese now is the second goalkeeper to kind of go backwards on Craig Sampson's watch as, as Aberdeen goalkeeping coach. He does appear to be untouchable, but I think goalkeeping coaches are probably a bit of a special breed as well, much like goalkeepers themselves. So maybe try to find one at the last, you know, at short notice is not easy. Um, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, Roos isn't, he's not the reason we are what we are. He's just one of many reasons why, you know, players not performing either the levels that are required or the, the levels that they can and they're just not being able to reproduce it. I don't, I don't really know, but I'm not sure. I can, I, I understand the point because um, I actually don't know, you know, I assume your goalkeeping coach has an input into recruitment, presumably, because it's a bit more so. niche. A bit of a specialised position, you'd imagine. Well, that's kind of why I was... Jim Leighton certainly did back in the day. Well, that's why, that's part of the reason why Leighton fell out with... Uh... Was that McInnes? Jimmy. Because he left, or was it Jimmy? Oh, yeah, because well, then he came back for a bit, didn't he? Well, no, McGee sacked Leighton. McGee yes, sacked yes, him, yes, but yes. I think part of that was to do with the recruitment of Bertie Bossy. <laughs> well... But having said that, if you give the guy a bag of penny chews, like go and trade that in for a keeper, I don't really know what you thought you were going to get. <laughs> if you give the guy nothing to work with, and then a Deke, goalkeeper who already Deke. knew what the W was, yeah, I think Deke fell out with him over the whole Scott Brown thing, if I remember rightly, or maybe, or maybe Adam Collin, can't quite remember, but yeah, possibly. Anyway. Uh, let's move on a wee bit. Uh, Gav, Grant Heath is asking, how heartbroken are you about the rumours that Pappy Habib Gay is away? Away where? Uh, possibly on loan next week. <laughs> to where? Don't know. Somewhere there, the transfer window is still open. To do what? No idea. <laughs> are you gutted, Gav? <laughs> um, I'm gutted that we've got a young, talented striker that's just scored a hat-trick for the Scotland under-19s, you know, whittling his thumbs in Kelty, rather than... Uh, Developing, developing his uh, his career at Aberdeen while we have this joker on our books and on what a three-year contract uh, i think it was three yeah enjoy <laughs> enjoy taking the hit on some of that for the next two years he's uh well he's he's hardly featured has he so he's not going to be a, a loss as such so I'll, no. I'll i'll get over it in time okay uh graham scott shields is asking can we swap kel roos for an octoroos <laughs> I only just discovered the Octoroos last night. <laughs> um, I think it retails about fourteen pounds, and if so, so it's probably cheaper. <laughs> well, it absolutely, will be cheaper, definitely. Um, yeah. What is it with like animal themed? Because you had that Contadino, and I saw something. Oh, wolves had something like a wolvesosaurus or some nonsense like that. Wolvesosaurus, something got like a, that. Gav's got a. Concept. I know he's got a Contadino, so that. <laughs> I love you call it Considino, like it's a... Dinosaur. Considino, surely. Considino. Considino, I'm calling it Considino. But Considino works better with his name anyway. No, Considino. (laughs) (laughs) He sounds more exotic that way, actually. Yeah, he does. (laughs) Sounds like he might have played for his team. His Italian cousin. Yeah, Paolo Considino. Andrea Considino, famous... So what what, what would he do? Paolo Maldini. Postseason is an episode on... Animal themed products in club shops. Yeah, I like it. It's good. Oh, yes. Totus, Tus Minimus, Canis, Costa Curta, Baggio. Considino. Lee Ross, oh, God, this is a bit serious, but fuck it, we might have to do it. What would you guys like to see in terms of outcomes from the ongoing external review for it to have a real impact? Clearly, the manager's priority, but director of football position responsibilities must be changed. For him, a simple change of manager is not enough. So, what do you want to see? 
I, I thought he was going to ask what do you want to see in the way of outgoings, but in case I would have had a list longer than Jericho's move list. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that's a very serious question. The main thing would be <laughs> if you're going to actually create an identity, then come up with an identity and stick with it for longer than nine months at a time and find the right people, the right personnel to go about putting that into place. And we have an an overarching structure within the club that runs from the very, they are, are you set up all the way into the first team? And like I say, we don't abandon it at the first sign of it getting difficult. That's uh, the short answer to a very complicated question, I think. <laughs> Graham, other than Stephen Gunn getting binned, what do you want to see out of the air? Uh... Just trying to think of animal things for players, but <laughs> I was going to say like a Tasmanian devil for Nicky Devlin, but that doesn't really work. Kind no, of, I think it works. The Tasmanian yeah. devilin. Well, yeah, if, if, you might have enough to market yeah, that. But if anyone does market that, I called it first. So mate, they're, 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 mate, they're currently marketing a, a, a cuddly octopus as an octoroos, so they'll do fucking anything. Um, Sorry, Jason Hill at the club shop. You do a great bit of work, but they genuinely do. Actually, there's so much stuff. And my only criticism is I don't think the website's particularly user-friendly. No, the website's Because when I looked for the Octo Roos, I typed Roos and I got nothing. And then I typed Oct and it came up. Mm, well. So that don't make no sense to me. But there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, all sorts of stuff, actually, if you think back to what it used to be, it was pretty sparse back in the day. And then quite regular changing out of the sort of clothing and that, actually. So there is there is a lot, actually, of good stuff in there. A couple of things but, that look a little bit similar in theme, though, to... The fine chaps AB24 apparel, I would point out, but there we go. It, well, oh, is it imitations to the best form of flattery? Sincerest form of flattery, yes. Yeah, like it. So, uh, for the review, I think it needs to come with actions because clearly things are not going as well as they should be going. And I think I know that everyone likes to focus on gun for me. It's everyone. Clearly, the managerial position needs to be sorted out. That may or may not need a review of sort of coaching um, at various levels as well. But ultimately, <clears throat> the man at the top carries the can for everything because he's either he's either making all these decisions or clearly he's got a sign-off on them. And, you know, he, he's as culpable as anyone else. So it goes right to the top is kind of what I'm saying. People like to pick on one individual, say, ah, he's not doing his job. Well, that might be fair. But it's everyone around these people facilitate that. So there needs to be some sort of acceptance that you know, maybe we don't have the right people in the right roles, or, or maybe these people need support to do their job properly. I don't actually know where I really stand because I don't know anything about you know who they who these people. I don't know these people how things work. Um, but my concern is that it's not totally independent, or it's not really released. In its original form, if you like, you get a sanitized and edited version that detracts from the real findings. And what we end up with is pretty much basically something saying like, ah, what you've got is all right. You've just been a little bit unlucky, something to that effect. And clearly that's not an appropriate outcome. As long as they're not marking their own homework at the end of this as well. Well, it's kind of where it's got to be totally, it can't be independent, send it for review. Nah, here's what I'd like the report to look like. Well, that's not independent. Yeah, um, and that, that would be my concern I think I said a couple of episodes ago turkeys don't vote for Christmas if it comes out and it's basically saying there needs to be whole has anyone asked them has anyone asked turkeys if uh, I will Christmas? make a mental note towards the tail end of the year 
to ask some turkeys. But if it's basically saying, look, there are people not able to do their current roles, you know, are people going to address that? Because that's, you know, that's a tough position to be in. Yeah, that's it. That's the big question. A very real conversation. People at, everyone at the club really want this challenge. Are they up for it? And lastly, a public flogging of whoever gave Cal Roberts a three-year contract. <laughs> well, yes, and Anthony Stewart and Jaden Richardson and Shaden Morris. Jaden Morris and Pappy Gay. Pappy Gay. And Miss Williamson or Daddy. Yeah. Hate to be the, that person. Anyway, let's... Uh, is that enough on that? I think it probably is, isn't it? That's wonderfully depressing once again. Let's... Uh... Well, well, my final... Was it Jerry Springer had his final say or his final word? Yeah, your final say. Graham, Graham's, maybe this is a new feature. <laughs> and now for my final thought. Graham's Absolutely. final thought. Yeah. Uh, it just is a little bit disappointing that we've been bumping our gums for, what, like an hour and 15 on what was the 10th anniversary of the Community Trust. It would have been nicer to have had a better uh, marking of that occasion than the three of us. Uh, hey, uh, hey, children. Hey. Great occasion, big crowd. What could possibly go wrong? Classic yeah, is this not where like is this not where like Steve like throws a few haymakers now off the back of that? You know, he got his own show off that. Did he? Yeah. Steve Wilco's yeah. show. Exact same format. He only, only he was the host. The USA. Yeah. 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 Watched it one time. He threw a chair at a wall. <laughs> Let's move on. Um on a lone watch. Kieran Naguenya at Park Thistle. An unused sub as Park Thistle drew three three. A breakout star here in the Gwenya. Development. That's the one. Hashtag. Um, 3-3 in the Highlands with ICT in the championship on Saturday. Alfie Bavage. Gav touched on them earlier on. Missed out on Kelty's 4-2 defeat to Montrose because he was wearing it in Astro Duty. Just the hat-trick this week. Early in the week for Bavage as the Scotland under-19 thrashed their Latvian counterparts by four goals to nil. Uh, Finlay Marshall at Edinburgh City. 81 minutes in the tank for him. As Edinburgh grabbed a last gasp equaliser through on loan goalkeeper Ruri Adams. He's on loan from Dundee United, I think, against Queen of the South in League One. Let's be honest, we all love a goalkeeper scoring a goal in the last minute. Great stuff. Bill Lobbin at Forfer came off the bench with 30 minutes to go as Forfer squandered a 3 0 lead to draw 3 3 with Peter Head. And the Peter Head hero was Alfie Stewart. He came off the bench with 30 minutes to go and scored the equaliser in the fifth minute of stoppage time. Uh, no game for Aaron Reid and Adam Emsel this week for Martin's trip to Forest was called off due to a waterlogged pitch. Finlay Murray, another start. Another 90 minutes for him as Tara drew 2-2 with Broader Rangers in the Highland League. Kev Hanrati, I've no idea. Uh, Bucky, 3-2 winners against Brecon City, but I really hope they fail to go on to win the league or anything for the complete lack of telling you who is playing in any of their fucking games. Graham, I've so, asked you to get this sorted out. I forgot, but I've got a couple of angles. Obviously, there's the sort of local connection. And then in a my wife's colleague's husband is pals with the manager. My, wife's, like, husband, these, like, my wife's husband what? Pal. My, my wife's husband colleague's well, husband. husband. Right, it's Buck, husband. The manager. Right, you get <clears throat> fucking sorted out. So I will face. ask the question. This is like a transfer to one Aberdeen Mad back in the day. It really is. Yeah. Maybe I so can get on. Then, we can get a segment. So I'm guessing then, what, guy, why they us. don't publicize who their fucking starting lineup is. Well, I was just going to call it like Hanrati update, a 30 second mm-hmm. snippet. But if you want to go into the the details of their social media, then we can. Yeah, do I'd, it. I'd love to do that because, well, their social media for this week was sporadic to say the least. 
So I'm guessing that neither of you can tell us if Tommy Gunn Ritchie played for them either. No, I can't because Tom Ritchie is there as well. I completely forgot all about that. No clue. No clue at all. Well, they won, so let's say they did. Possibly. Anyway, moving on. If, if there's anyone out there that's got better connections than Graham's wife's colleague's husband, then, you know, help us out. <laughs> well, let me find out. Sarah, do you know anyone who's associated with the Bucky Thistle Football Club? I know you've been to see Bucky this season. That might be as good a connection as we've got. Did you like the man? No, you like the locals manager because he was talking about no chippy shite. <laughs> man knows his onions. Does know his Well, does he? They still got beat. <laughs> Maybe chippy shite was what they needed. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, I feel it's got a bit niche again all of a sudden. Uh, Brendan Hamilton at Banks D, no game for them. Their trip to Clack was off due to what love pitch. There's loads of games been off the Highland League this season. I'm pretty sure Bucky have got about seven games in hand. There's been daft. If you look at the table, it is, it is absolutely wild because you look at it and think, oh, they're going well. And you're like, oh, that's because they've played just about all of their games. Uh, it's really, really skewed. <laughs> it's absolutely fucking mental. Um, what's going on here? Billy Monroe. Grant's just. I don't know what's happening here. I'll look at that in a minute. Um, let's continue with Lone Watch. Anthony Stewart, MK Dons. Should we just take Anthony Stewart off of this now? Absolutely not. He's a, he's a vital cog in the operation, Aberdeen. Not in the squad. Again, what's he doing? See, he's not injured, he is must he? must be injured. Well, that's be kind surely. of what I'm thinking. He must be injured, surely. Um, but all of the fact that normally we've got long-term injured players on loan, we recall them. <laughs> <laughs> Swindon sorry what am I banging on about he was not in the squad a 2-1 win at the Swindon branch for MK Dons on Saturday Jaden Richardson he played the full 90 minutes as Colchester drew 1-1 with Acton Stanley in League 1 and then Vicente Pajowin uh, he nearly doubled his playing time this week started and lasted 63 minutes before being hooked as Emin were beaten again 3-2 at Roda JC uh, on to the Quines some afternoon at the Balmoral on Sunday afternoon. Clint Lancaster with two changes. This starting 11 as Jess Broderick returned after injury and Kieran McPherson also came into the team in place of Chloe Gover and Hannah Innes for the visit of Dundee United. It was though the visitors with the brighter start. Steedman with a quick fire double to have the Arabs 2-0 up after just 15 minutes before Bailey Hutchison pulled a goal back for the home side just two minutes later with a close-range header. United restoring their two-goal lead on 24 minutes as Steedman won a penalty from Banfield. Todd sending Curry the wrong way from the penalty spot. It's good to see that we've got at least a level of consistency across all our teams when it comes to how we approach penalty kicks being taken against us. Halftime, 3-1 to the visitors. McPherson replaced by Darcy Miller at halftime with Banfield dropping in defence before Lindbake was replaced by Phoebe Murray 10 minutes later. But it still took the home side until near on 70 minutes to get another goal. Ogilvy's free kick met by Finney, who glanced a header home. The Dons then pulling level from the spot on 77 minutes after a handball was penalised. Hannah Stewart scoring low pass Sidey to tie things up. And the Quines sealed an incredible comeback win into injury time. Ogilvy swinging a ball into the box after her original corner had been cleared and Ailey Shore was there to smash home the winner. Full time. 4-3 to Aberdeen. A huge win, actually, in um, the context of SWPL1 as well this week because it means that Aberdeen have really kind of cemented themselves, I think, as the top of the bottom half of the table now going into the critical part of the season before the split happens, but they're comfortably ahead now of most of the teams sitting below them. So that does seem like Gav. Um, again, another result, which I'm sure Clint Lancaster 
and everybody associated with the women's team will be really pleased with it just helps to bridge that gap a little bit still I think a bit too much to try and claw back Park Thistle in sixth in the top half but really just push themselves definitely far away now from any kind of semblance of any danger about being dragged into some sort of relegation battle that's for sure yeah there's a real a division within that uh, SWPL1 table obviously the the big teams in, in Glasgow, the Edinburgh sides and Park Thistle, and then like, it's kind of ourselves on an island, and then it's kind of the teams below us who could potentially, any one of them could be facing that relegation battle. I mean, the reality is that if you talk about progression, um, at the end of the season last year, after 32 games, we had 30 points. After 21 this season, we have 25. So very clear improvements. And that's been in the face of some challenging circumstances. You know, again, a lot of players we've, we've lost to injury or other reasons uh, a very young team and i'll be honest with the way results have been lately and when i saw it was 3-1 united i feared the worst for them so to come back and then go one step further than the men's team did against motherwell and get the winning goal is is fantastic and hopefully they can now kick on and end the season in a, in a really bright fashion indeed absolutely looking forward to the sponsors dinner as well this tuesday i think uh, poor laura holden if um dinner acl wasn't enough for her she's got the Fucking joy is a deal with Graham, you and I, for a couple of hours on choosing it as well. Poor sod. Asking her yep. if he likes the PlayStation or some young patter. Yeah, I don't know what the kids kids are into these days. Yeah. Pokemon? Yeah. Is that still a thing? Switches? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. Is that who's enough? Our fa- who's our favourite GoldenEye character? <laughs> <laughs> Odd job, obviously. <laughs> Clearly. Anyway, um, is that enough for the uh, first half of the show tonight? I think it is probably... I think ending on a GoldenEye reference is perfect. Always, absolutely. All good. Right, join us after break where we'll be here to talk about Aberdeen versus Kilmarnock on Saturday. Looking for the best donuts in the northeast of Scotland? Look no further than Dough & Co. Made fresh every day and topped right in front of you at their 40-seater cafe on Belmont Street in the heart of Aberdeen. They make the perfect gift or the perfect pre-match stop-off with a full selection of bagels and hot and cold drinks. If you're listening from home, why not place your order for one of their Dough & Co. stops? There are over 28 drop-off locations across the region delivering through the northeast on a weekly basis follow at your donut shop across socials to stay up to date come on you reds Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Uh, before we move on to talk about the game at Rugby Park on Saturday, just a quick shout out to those of you who continue to make your contributions to the Beer and Coffee Fund this week, which includes Mark Robertson. Uh, our tribal chief. He's the one. And uh, Mark Massey. We like you too, Mark. <laughs> we absolutely do. Um, if you can, obviously, beers, coffee, shouts, much appreciated. Let's be perfectly honest. It just goes on paying the hosting fees for all this nonsense but there we go if you'd like to shout us a beer or a coffee hit us up at ko-fi.com forward slash abz football podcast uh, shout us that beer or that coffee that'd be much appreciated my wife's in the background talking about how we you have to make it rain <laughs> wholly inappropriate this is a family show thank you very much yes, indeed. um Let's move on. Let's let's talk about this. For the first time in a while, it's just one game we've got to look forward to this week. 
so well maybe looking forward to it is a bit of a stretch but endure the words endure thank you Graham. we head for Kilmarnock on Saturday for a three o'clock kickoff at Rugby Park which in and of itself feels like a rarity in recent <laughs> years um, third meeting of the campaign between the sides coming up Kelly have obviously won both so far 2-0 win at Rugby Park at the end of October then a shocker of a 1-0 victory at Pataudry on the 6th of December of course this is going to be a dress rehearsal for the Scottish Cup quarterfinal in a couple of weeks' time, Killy coming into this one on Saturday in decent form, just one defeat in their last 13 matches, that coming in a 3-1 reversal at Ibrox prior to the winter break. They had a 1-1 draw obviously, at Celtic Park on Saturday afternoon, which is cementing their position in fourth spot as things stand. Rugby Park, a ground that really fluctuates from an Aberdeen perspective. For many a year in the 90s, it felt like the graveyard of Don's managers, Willie Miller's, Spell as Aberdeen manager ended in a 3-1 defeat at Kilmarnock in February 1995. And then Alex Miller's reign of terror came to an end after a 4-0 defeat there in December of 1998. Ironically, of course, it was Derek McInnes who was in charge of the Dons when we went 13 league games unbeaten at Kilmarnock during his spell in charge. Since Kilmarnock's return to the top flight, we are played two, lost two in East Ayrshire. So fucking thumbs up for that, lads. All in for the league, uh, played 114. We've won 46. There's been 16 draws. We've been defeated 52 times um, down there at Kilmarnock, which is one of those results that seems a little bit, you know, strange given our more recent history there. But uh, it's always been a relatively tricky venue for us to travel to in our history. Kelly's impressive season so far, certainly forged on their home form, played 13, won seven, drawn four, and just lost the two games at Rugby Park. That's the third best record in the table. Compare that to their away form, which is ranked seventh in the league so far. They aren't the most free scoring. 29 scored in their 26 games in the league. That's the joint eighth worst in the table alongside St Mirren. Of those 29 goals scored, 19 from open play against an open play expected goals of 17.29. Six from set plays against expected goals of 9.75. Two penalties and two own goals make up the balance. But we touched on it earlier in the show. Defensively, doing well. Fourth best record in the table. 25, 27 conceded in 26 games. Of those, 15 from open play against an expected goals against of 18.15. Seven from set pieces against an XGA of 7.72. Those 15 from open play, that's the third best record in the league. So they are absolutely a hard team to create chances against. Perhaps seen by the fact that our cumulative XG against them in the league so far is 1.34 over two games, which is not great. Nine clean sheets for Will Dennis and goals. That's the fourth best record in the table. Top scorer in the league, that's shared between Kyle Vassell and Marlon Watkins on five each. Danny Armstrong, their key player, with eight assists in the league as well. In terms of shape, style, no real surprises. McInnes has been kind of favouring a variation of 3-5-2 or a... 3-4-1-2 in recent weeks to allow him to have Vassell and Marley Watkins up top together. He's kind of deployed Greg Stewart as the number 10 occasionally since his return as well. Of course, there is the lurking, preening prick that is Kevin Van Veen on the bench as well for Kilmarnock. They are by some distance the most direct team in the league. They look to get the ball up the park quickly, make it a battle for second balls and into the wide areas. Only St Mirren and Livingston marginally make less passes per game than Kamarnik. Out of possession, happy to drop in, make things difficult, and then look to spring on the counter quickly. Again, we've seen that all before. With the likes of Armstrong and Candy providing the width and pace for them to try and supply Vassell 
and Watkins. So, gents, Saturday, 3 p.m., Rugby Park. Big game for us. I mean, if we don't win this one, then absolutely, I think any hopes of top six completely disappear. Certainly any hopes of making one of the automatic European spots definitely disappear. Um, our record at Rugby Park in the last couple of seasons has been appalling. Killy in decent form coming into this one. Looking forward to it? Um, I think the reality of the fact is that Derek success to date at Kilmarnock is built on his record at Rugby Park. <laughs> In, January, in more ways than one. I think that he has gone and, you know, uh, recruited uh, to give himself, anyway, a lot more options up front. Uh, Van Veen, for all of uh, for all of guys trolling, uh, also had a very good season last year. 30-something goals for Motherwell, so he's a good option for them to have. You've got Armstrong, Kennedy, Vassell, Watkins, they'll probably be the guys that start, but you can obviously bring on, like, say, Greg Stewart, uh, Van Veen um, there's another striker they've decided his name now escapes me Mackay Steven as well so they've got plenty of options um, he'll know how to make them difficult to, to score against they'll make it a battle um, as Robson told us earlier in the year they're too good for us to play through them so we have to go over them so I'm sure Warnock will be of the exact same mindset yeah not looking forward to this at all um, and you know, finally I think they've always been pretty handy with set pieces against us since McInnes has been there and we're beyond woeful at that. I don't think Jensen or Garmin will fancy the physical battle with Watkins and Vassell. All the makings of a really tough tough old day at the office and maybe McInnes, you know, who someone with a keen eye spotted in the Aberdeen director's box on Wednesday at Motherwell next to his best pal Stuart Milne. With a maybe horrendous one of, hat on. Maybe that's a bit of a Peaky Blinders gig, wasn't it? It really was. Yeah, disappointing, Deke, disappointing. Um, you know, maybe one of the last two opportunities for him to have an audition to see if maybe yeah, it kind of a guy with a lot of experience, a lot of know-how would be the right man to take Aberdeen forward in the future, just to put the cat in amongst the seagulls. That's going to cause a lot of issues there, I think, Gav. Um, Graham, looking forward to this one on, on Saturday. Are you going? I'd just like to say that as a personal opinion Gavin expressed. <laughs> Gary and I would like to distance ourselves from that. Absolutely. Graham uh, still wants Robbie Nielsen. What's he doing these days? The Tampa, Tampa Bay Rowdies. Tampa Bay Rowdies. Tampa Bay Rowdies. Tampa Bay. Is, he, is he tearing up? I've no just idea. Just talk amongst yourselves while I look at that. Well, that's, that, their, uh, their season will be finished now, won't it? Uh, this is finished ages ago because they're in the same league as Stephen Glass's Memphis 901 FC. Who, who won that? division uh, geographical split that isn't geographical Jack Gers I think <laughs> what the um, Sacramento Republic. Republic I think so and now I'm going to have to look oh, Gav you're just going to have to talk amongst yourself now because Graham's looking at one thing I'm looking what at something I can, else what I can let the listeners know is that my missus went to America last year well she went to Canada then America and I'd suggested to her because on her trip she was going to go into Seattle and I thought, well, if you have a chance anywhere, could you maybe get me a wee Seattle Sounders shirt? And for some reason, she misheard me and thought I said Sacramento. So she was in Sacramento looking for a Republic shirt, but of course, no one there knew what she was talking about. So I avoided that that situation. So uh, Sacramento won the Western Conference. The Pittsburgh... Riverside Hounds or whatever the fuck they're called. What River Hounds <laughs> won the Eastern Conference. The, Tampa Bay Rowdies. the Riverside Hounds. Yeah. Better name of justice. <laughs> um, I think they finished second. 
Tampa Bay Rowdies came second in that division. Middlesbrough. But then, of course, you then head into the playoffs, which saw Phoenix Rising beat Charleston Battery 3-2 overall in the final. Sorry, I was wrong. Phoenix Rising. Are they not the sort of Nuko of the uh, of the Wolves? Yeah, yeah Phoenix yeah. Rising are the Sevco of Darren Mackey's Phoenix Wolves. Yeah, yeah. Did Darren Mackey sign an EBT? Is that why Phoenix Wolves went out of business? <laughs> I think they were a bit well, maybe actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were bigger issues, but no, I think signing Darren Mackey was a pretty big one. Phoenix Rising beat Sacramento Republic in the semi-finals, or I guess the playoffs, I suppose, if I'm being correct about it. And then, yeah, Phoenix Rising beat. Uh, Dante Povara's Charleston Battery. How did the 901 do? The 901 uh, got beat in the playoffs, I think. They got beat in the conference quarterfinals by Louisville City FC. There you go. 5 4 in aggregate. Some big games there. San Diego Loyal. Wonder who their big team is. Orange County. <laughs> wonder who their big team is. <laughs> the Birmingham Legion of Doom, presumably. Ish. Anyway, there we go. So for that, what the fuck were we talking about before? Derek McInnes, Kamarnock, this weekend. Are we going to see a repeat of the Battle of Bramall Lane? Because of course, that's one of the famous things Neil Warnock's known for is the Battle of Bramall Lane. And Neil uh, Derek McInnes was part and parcel of the West Brom side that suffered off the back of that. Do you think you're going to have a bit of? Do you think Warnock's going to be like, that's for West Brom. That's for Megson. That deserved uh, that. Derek McInnes scored an absolute worldie in that game as well. You did, yeah, you did, and then got so, battered. Then got headbutted. <laughs> so I don't know if Neil Warnock's you know plan is just to send Ronnie Epson over to him. I don't know. <laughs> Midway through the second half, as we're getting battered four 0 just, just get the game abandoned. Get the game abandoned. Yeah, <laughs> there would be something quite wonderfully trolling if he just went down the whole route all over again. Um, what do you reckon, Neil? Mar- what do you reckon Neil Warnock's gonna make of the plastic pitch at Rugby Park? <laughs> I probably won't even notice. <laughs> no, he will because he won't be able to wear his copper Mundials. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I, th- I think just I think Graham's silence says it all. Um, long day, long hard day at the office, and I've got very little optimism that we're going to come away with a, a positive result. <laughs> there we go, then, Graham. Um, do you just want a venture prediction, gents, and we can just wrap this whole thing up? <sighs> Score draw. Ooh, score draw. Ooh, Fuck, score we got a point. Extremely optimistic here. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, yeah. Don't accept reality here. Three nil Kilmarnock. Don't fucking hell, Gav. Jesus. I, 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 I just think we've, I think we've thrown in the towel on the season. And that'll come to roost. Uh, I guess a team that'll, you know, I guess, do Kilmarnock have any chance of no, they don't have any chance of catching hearts, but no, I don't think so. They'll want to, you know, cement fourth place and with sitting there and kind of being in a bit of a weird situation where Robinson's scrapping with the fans and you know, Dundee are pretty inconsistent. I think, yeah, this could be an opportunity for them to build a bit of a cushion there. That would be if it wasn't the fact that it'll finish Kilmarnock one, Aberdeen three, and the Don's European charges back on again. We do not condone drug use on this show, by the way. I agree. We do not condone drug use. Anyway, or the reappointment of Derek McGuinness. <laughs> yeah, especially with that peaky blinders hat on. <laughs> anyway, there we go. Will that do us? I think that'll do us. Just yes. wait until we hire Stephen Robinson in the summer and you'll be oh, thinking fuck. about that statement. Please don't. Please, please, please. 
Anyway, there we go. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow whatever you do in your podcast player of choice. Join us next time out for episode 158 of the show where we will look back on that game against Kilmarnock and we will preview, I think it's St. Johnston, who visit Pataudry the following midweek. So that'll Ooh. be fun. Ooh. <laughs> look forward to seeing you there. Did, actually, before I said, did you see Craig Levine today? I quite enjoyed this. Came out after the Rangers game today. Then start criticizing the VAR decisions, despite the fact he admitted he hadn't actually seen either of them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I mean, like even with my Aberdeen glasses on, and as much as I hate them, I was like, that that's two stonewall penalty kicks, Craig. There's there's nothing really to complain about there. You know what? Actually, now I think about it, I think it was the Sack in the Morning podcast where Neil Warnock first mentioned the whole Aberdeen thing. I think you're right. So, so I, think Craig, Craig Levine's I think Craig Levine has a lot more to answer for than what he has in the past with Scotland and various other teams that have given us a doing in the past. So well, there we go. Yeah. It's, uh, it's time. It's payback time, bitch. <laughs> On that note, look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. Or not. Do, do what you want. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds.